lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to another episode of Seven Friday Night. I'm Chase Bryson, and I'm the managing editor at Sports Stars Magazine. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Enos. No bad luck or a spoiled chicken was going to keep him from seeing football this week, and he's fired up to talk about it. Right, Ben? I am. I'm always fired up. I am, by default, a fired up person. So, hello, podcast world. We've now seen one week of football from almost every team in Northern California which means that we are 100% qualified to tell you who will be playing in the bowl games at the end of the year, which teams will just be beyond terrible, (laughs) and what came first, the chicken or the egg. These are just a few of the interesting factoids and tidbits you can expect this week from Ben and Chase's house of useless trivia. (laughs) Oh, boy. We will circle back to the games uh, we were at shortly, but how about a quick overview first? We spent much of last week's shows marveling at the number of big matchups on NorCal's first night, first full night of action. And the games didn't disappoint. We had three games that featured head-to-head matchups of top 15 opponents. Two of those games featured four teams from our top six. All three of those matchups ended up being one-score games, and the lower-ranked teams won in two of them. Number three, Sarah San Mateo, and number 14, Salinas, both won on the road, taking down number two, Folsom, and number nine, Clayton Valley of Concord, respectively. Number five, St. Francis Mountain View hung on to beat number six, Central Catholic Modesto, in a really close game. The Sac Joaquin section Sierra Foothill League improved to 10 and 2 after two weeks of action. And the Central Coast Monster League, the West Celtic Athletic League, began 6 and 2. Also, a certain five star wide receiver made a smashing debut on Saturday afternoon. Lots to talk about, obviously. But let's start with that number two versus number three showdown between Sarah and Folsom. What do we learn from it? And what does it mean for this week, Ben? That was a lot. I don't know how I'm expected to follow all of this. (laughs) So, yeah, you mentioned the big one, Sarah and Folsom. And uh, I'm really glad that we're going to chat this week with Sarah offensive lineman Ryan Silver, uh, because I'm actually super fired up to ask one of the Padres big men how fun it was to hunker down back into the double wing formation, (laughs) just play some physical football uh it's just a it was a great win for sarah we're going to get into that later on the show um so the big question you laid out laid it out really well um how does the first full week of norcal football impact the hierarchy here in um our backyard well it just adds a layer to everything and especially it adds a layer to this week's game over at owen owens field uh between de la salle and folsom uh you know you can rank De La Salle, Sarah, Folsom, in whatever order you want. The truth of the matter is right now, I think these three teams are all super close. Uh, You know, St. Francis picked up a big win over Central Catholic last week too, and Matthew Doherty reminded folks that he can be a game changer at quarterback for the Lancers, someone we haven't seen since last year's De La Salle game, landmark game. So you can't take them out of this conversation either. Um, As I mentioned earlier, because I'm the eternal optimist, my overall take is that the top of the pyramid in Northern California football is the best that it's been in a really long time. That's the takeaway to me. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure I can add a whole lot more than that. I will say that as someone who maintains our NorCal top 20 rankings, these first two weeks couldn't be any friendlier in terms of matchups. And I didn't choose to pick that Sarah Folsom game last week. I know you did, uh, and you were wrong. 
And so, was, and so was Coach Terry Edson. Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure I would have gone with Folsom as well. I would have been wrong also. That was just a really impressive and gutsy effort by the Padres. Now they will essentially need to repeat it again, which is crazy. On the road, now on national TV, in the same in this very similar heat. Forecasts have it being uh, 90, 92 to 95 by kickoff, uh, although they moved it back to 8 p.m., so it might not be as bad. If they pull this all off again, the NorCal Coach of the Year discussion might already be over. I'm not it might because <laughs> that would be a crazy no goal. no i no. know i won't allow you to do that <laughs> veto we're not we're not crowning anyone i'm not crowning anybody i'm just saying it might no it might be um, over it, there, will, there will be a certain patrick walsh in the lead heavily leading after this if he does it twice i want to i just want to go back to something that coach edson said last week um, that I think was maybe the most smart thing any of us said all week. He picked Folsom just like I did, and he made it very clear. I am not, he is not, saying that Folsom is better than Sarah, but there were reasons that you would lean Folsom in an opening week game like that. I also said that Sarah was had earned the right for us to say that they are they start from that position of power every year, and they mm-hmm. showed it. You know, yeah. it, it, it's that is for as much grief as I'm giving you about Coach Walsh, he's earned that through a career approving it. So, you know, Sarah is there. And I mean, what more can you ask for? They're playing the big teams. He deserves all the credit. Give all right. him all the dap. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of impressive efforts, you certainly saw one from a visiting North Bay team this week. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so we're going to I'm going to jump on my soapbox a little here because I watched a ton of football last weekend. Perhaps I have no life, which is definitely (laughs) a possibility here. Or maybe I'm just the most devoted part time hobbyist you've ever seen. But I'm going to go through quickly all three of the pieces of games that I watched starting Thursday night with the fourth quarter of the Placer Roseville game, because I want to tell you that was a fun quarter of football. Placer ended up winning on a late touchdown run by Costa Alexic, who Ike Dodson told us about a couple weeks ago. But I also want to shout out Roseville, too, for a really spirited drive down the field to take a late lead. Placer has an, a pair of nail-biter wins. They can throw a little this year. Josh Craycraft at quarterback. And I think the Hillmen are laying the groundwork for a pretty good season. So I wanted to make sure to get to that. Um, Friday night, I actually left my house, Chase. I left my house. It was a big moment for me. And I drove all the way to Las Lomas High School, maybe the second closest high school to my house. Uh, as you mentioned, I saw Rancho Katati taking on the Knights. Uh, top impressions here. Rancho's really good, man. I, I mean, what else can you say? They have weapons in the passing game, uh, led by the Cal commit, Silasa Vajrawale. I think I said that right. And I got to tell you, the kid is the real deal. He scored in the pass game. He grabbed an interception, and he scored on a scoop and score on a blocked punt. He's everywhere, and he's super talented. I like Liam Keeney at quarterback. I like Ananias Wilson as the other receiver. He's a big dude, man. He's going to go somewhere. He's only a junior. Uh, And I I thought Rancho was just really solid all the way around. On the other side, I want to give a little credit to Doug Longero for telling us the absolute truth on last week's podcast. There was no coach speak there. All things being equal, the Knights are a good team but depth is an issue for those guys. And when they lost their top two running backs in the first half, they lost the ability to be effective on offense. 
by the end of the night, their quarterback was dinged up. Their senior receiver and DB Alex Lisi was dinged up. And I'm kind of left wondering what comes next for the Knights, because if they turn into a mash unit, uh, things could get a little rough. Um, so that was Friday night. Great night in Walnut Creek. And then Saturday, I got home in the afternoon. I tossed on Menlo, Atherton, and Bellerman. Bellerman had a two-score lead at halftime. Uh, but in the action I saw, Menlo, Atherton was just all around better. Uh, they created a ton of pressure in the Bellerman backfield. And on the other side of the ball, they moved super easily and effectively. And yes, you referenced a certain five-star receiver. Uh, Jurian Dickey was everything that you think he is. I think he had four touchdowns. Uh, by the end of the game, I texted you that I think they deserve to be ranked. And while I think Bellerman's still a good team, I'm going to be curious to see where the Bells go from here after getting roughed up a little bit in the second half of that game. So is that enough knowledge that I just dropped on you? Oh. I mean, the good folks at home should know that I don't get paid more to watch all this football. <laughs> I do it for them, the fans. I am a man of the people. <laughs> now that I've rambled on, you were at Clayton Valley. And you saw Salinas pull out a really good win. What did you see on Alberta Way? So I saw the exact style of game I expected to see, to be honest, even if I was completely wrong in my predicted winner. Uh, but this was definitely a game fitting of a number 14, that number nine matchup. It, my quick impressions of both teams, I'll start with Salinas. I really like Salinas. The Cowboys are well coached, extremely experienced. They feature 15 returning starters and 25 guys who are in their third varsity season. They're also so... Clearly, they're deep. They don't have anybody that goes both ways. Uh, and Coach Steve Zink said that he thought they had close to 60 players get into the game on Friday, and it was a one-score game. So that's impressive. So that's an obscene luxury in high school football when you have that much depth, especially when you can add talent to the mix. Another Cal recruit, Naziah yeah. uh, Hunter, a wide receiver, legit uh, talent, uh, who showed up um, uh, with big plays as both a, a receiver and a kick returner. I also like the poise of three-year starting quarterback uh, Adam Schaefer and the wild abandon of linebacker Aiden Flynn. It's just a really good team, and they were fun to watch. As for Clayton, it's a, it's a loss, but they'll be fine. Uh, there's plenty to still like about them, and as promised, it's not the Clayton Valley we've been used to seeing under Coach Tim Murphy. They actually threw the ball 45 times and used two quarterbacks to do it. The senior Christian Aguilar and junior Mason Levitt both rotated in and out, uh, often between series, like not not splitting up series. They often came in every one or two plays. Uh, Love it was the more run-oriented signal caller, and Aguilar uh, was more of the passing, uh, had more of the passing uh, duties. The passing game is still a work in progress, though, and it's not like they abandoned the run. They still had 40 rushing attempts, and I expect that number to climb and pass attempts to drop some when Tennessee-bound transfer Will Sons Jr. is eventually ruled eligible. Uh, talked to coach Murphy after the game. They said they were expecting to hear back before Friday's game uh, against uh, Salinas, but they never did. So hopefully they, they hear North coast sections ruling this week and find out when Stallings will be available for him. But I saw him on the sideline and he looks like the real deal. Um, if, uh, if looks go a long way, he's, he's got it. So uh, I'll be really to see how the Uglies fare against Del Oro this week. That's another tough matchup. At least they get him at home though. And now, before we get to our guest for the week, we're going to try a fun new bit that we're calling Overreaction Theater. We're going to take turns throwing at each other some headlines we've read or hot takes we've heard. The other then will rule whether they think it's a proper overreaction or an acceptable take. Sound good to you? Fun is a subjective term. But yeah, let's let's go for it. 
All right. Uh, I'll start by giving you a recent headline from a Bay Area newspaper that read, is high school football endangered? Yeah, this is a story that I think is written every year now, right? Um, to swap out the publication and it gets written. Um, we see the same NFHS participation numbers each time the story shows up. And I think you can pick the inner city football team of your choosing to focus this on. For this one, it was South San Francisco, but uh, we could have written it about Richmond, Ignacio Valley. I got to tell you, Las Lomas had 29 guys on their varsity roster Friday night. You can't tell me that that's normal. Um, so, you know, I, I actually did talk to a couple of coaches this past week that did predict that in five to 10 years, you're going to start to see some pretty surprising schools start to look at discontinuing football because of lack of numbers. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong. What I do think is that a headline writer knew what they were doing. And the premise of the story might be a little bit of clickbait city. Uh, high school football is not dying as a whole. The, the rumors of its demise are greatly exaggerated. Uh, in fact, I think in some areas you can argue that it's stronger than it ever has been. Um, just depends on the, the coach you talk to. Just depends on the program, what they've done, how the community embraces it. Um, so I don't think that's an indictment of the sport. It's an indication that values are changing, priorities are changing in some areas. So while some areas have taken to high school football more than others, and that's always been the case, it's an overreaction to say high school football as a whole is dying. Yes, it is falling away in some communities, but no, as a sport, as an entity, as a thing, that's that's incorrect. I think that's fair. So <laughs> if we're trading hot takes here, <laughs> there's another one that grabbed our attention. We saw a story this week with the headline, Has De La Salle Lost Its Mystique? I feel like we might be here for a while, but why <laughs> don't you have at this one? Overreaction or not? <laughs> So you already stole my thunder by by uh, taking on the Mark Twain quote, but I, I was going to say that the depth of this mystique is greatly exaggerated. <laughs> so here's what I was, I would argue that conversely, the number of elite football programs in Northern California is simply growing. That's I'm not, that would be my take on the matter. And as those teams experience more success, especially at the state level, winning state bowl games, winning NorCal games, they're going to be less intimidated to play De La Salle when they line up against them. I don't think that mystique is going to disappear after – two last second losses to NorCal teams a year ago. And that St. Francis game came on a last second play by St. Francis. Great catch. Uh, it was a three point victory. Right. And then uh, Folsom had to stuff a two point conversion attempt with a minute and a half left to hold on to their 28, 27 win in the NorCal bowl. So those are just really good football programs that are experiencing a lot of success at higher levels and take that confidence into games against De La Salle. Come back to me when the North Coast section on beating the streak ends. That's still 30 plus years long. And then we'll talk about maybe if the Mystique is losing some steam. No, I'm with <laughs> you. I mean, come on, man. If you're if you're anti De La Salle, you say that they win because they get the best players from all over the place. If you're pro De La Salle, you say they win because they execute better than anyone and their and their brotherhood, uh, brotherhood, a term every program tries to hang its hat on is stronger. I don't I don't I fail to see the mystery here. Like, what mystique? They're a good high school football team. Always have been. I, I don't know. I don't see the mystery. I'm with you. Let's try one more. 
I mentioned this one, which involves the team playing De La Salle this week. One Bay Area journalist, who we both greatly respect, said last week that, quote, Sarah has reached the level of De La Salle in terms of respect and clout, essentially. What are your thoughts on that? This is one I can get down with, for sure. I told you on this show last week that I feel Sarah, and I told you earlier, has earned the right to be considered at the top every single year. And and it's not like beating Folsom was going to change my mind. Uh, there have been years where Sarah would come to De La Salle and you would automatically pick the Spartans. Those days are gone. And let's, let's not talk about, you know, who's better. Let's talk about the negatives. Let's talk, let's be positive. This has absolutely nothing to do with De La Salle and everything to do with Patrick Walsh and the program at Sarah high school, every single person that puts effort in at Sarah to get them to where they are right now. Uh, and and those that came before it. This has nothing to do with Dale Allen, everything to do with Sarah getting better and being there every single year. I 100% agree. That's, that's definitely a fair take. Yeah. I give that one a pass. And now we're going to take a quick time out for a quick message from Sports Stars Magazine's podcast partner, the California Army National Guard. At some point, your community will be challenged. It could be a flood, forest fire, hurricane, or civil unrest. When it happens, be the one to answer the call. Rescue the stranded. Protect the threatened. Save the injured. Join the National Guard and serve your community when it needs you most. Visit nationalguard.com to find out more. Now that uh, now that we've provided our own attempt at being sports talk blowhards, <laughs> let's actually talk to someone who knows what he's talking about. We've mentioned Sarah's 17 to 12 win over Folsom. And if you paid attention to the game, you saw that coach Walsh went to the old double wing offense for stretches in an effort to dominate in the trenches. Senior Ryan silver is one of the big men up front who was ready to mix it up. And with Sarah now turning its attention to a nationally televised game at De La Salle, we thought we'd catch up with the Padres offensive lineman two way lineman to ask about the big win as well as what lies ahead. Now we're pleased to be joined by our first player of the season. He's a three-star senior offensive lineman committed to San Diego State, playing for NorCal's newest number two squad, Sarah of San Mateo. It's Ryan Silver. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you guys for having me. Well, man, we got to start by talking about last week. Uh, I mean, you go to Folsom, long trip there, you get a big win. Was Was the bus ride home a loud and festive one, or were you guys just too gassed to whoop it up on the way home oh uh, it, it was it was a rowdy bus ride on the way home i mean it was a long one so it was like first hour everybody <laughs> was kind of listening to music and then and then you kind of saw everybody just kind of slowly fall asleep <laughs> um, it was, yeah and a then, well-earned nap yeah <laughs> um so a couple days after uh, a great start to the season, what do you guys, what do you think the biggest takeaway from the game was? And what did you learn about yourselves having had a chance to finally get on the field together for the first time this year? Um, I think, I think we learned a lot that we had a very, we, so we had a very tough off season um, coaches pushing us and a lot of conditioning and that stuff. So I think it was awesome to kind of, see that all in motion and kind of see that play out as I mean it it shows in our defense pursuing to the ball and all that and we forced turnovers this week so 
think that was really big for us. But I, I also was really proud of the offense. And it wasn't we, – we didn't come in um, – with that with that game plan to just run the ball down them we were, we were trying to pass it a little bit but um didn't really work out in the first couple of drives so we had to make a change uh mid-game but it, I think we we're I think that was what I was most proud about is, is us being able to like persevere through through the challenges and be able to do something else and get the ball moving so a lot was made of of uh of kind of the there was a battle of attrition right you, a lot of guys were cramping up um, did you did you have to did you get any cramps or did you survive? I did, that? I did end up cramping. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's like we were we were told it was going to be 106 and Folsom and all that. So all of us were all week just pounding water, pounding Gatorades and stuff like that, just so we can make it through the game. And it obviously didn't really work. But um, <laughs> I'm glad we had depth there to be able to fill in the spots that we needed. So. Uh. So, Ryan, the, the Padres' list of key returning players this year is pretty well known. In addition to yourself, many football fans know about Joseph Page, Jabari Mann, Seamus Gilmartin. I'm curious to get your thoughts, though, because you mentioned that you guys are pretty young this year. I'm curious to get your thoughts on a new face or two that really impressed you during Friday night's game. Who who, who showed out to you? Um, So, my guy, Sam Goligoski, DN number six. He was tearing it up on the D-line. I mean – couldn't stop him. He probably, I think he had two sacks and four tackles for losses, something like that. And I mean, you could, re you could really tell that he's just been grinding, grinding, grinding this off season. He's got bigger, faster, stronger every day. So he was ready to come out and show, show what he had to prove. Cause last year he was sitting behind two good seniors. So he was kind of just waiting to get his chance to go out there and show what he got. It's incredible to me that a high school team can be so prepared for the first week of the season that if things aren't going maybe the way you want, that you can just jump into a double wing set and say, here we come. As an offensive lineman, is that when you hear that switch uh, on the sideline, are you like, oh, it's time to go? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we we always have that formation in our back pocket when when stuff goes bad. Um, we've been practicing it, but it's obviously not what we want to do the whole season. We want to be able to use all our assets on offense as we have a great quarterback and we have great um, we have great wide receivers this year. So, I mean, it's I mean, it's tough. But as an offensive lineman, running the ball is my favorite thing to do. So getting to pound those guys and just drive five, five, five yards after another. So that was really awesome. What What was your overall impression of Folsom as an opponent? Um, they were a good team. They they had some good players, but to be honest, I, I I think they were pretty um they were pretty solid, but I don't think they lived up to the hype that we were expecting. Um I'm not saying that in a cocky way or anything. I think Folsom Folsom's a great team and they got great players, but I d I, I don't really think they know what, what was coming. Well, another uh uh I mean, we talked about this a little on last week's show. If you guys were going to stumble, I mean, it's just week after week right now. And we're not even talking about league play for you guys yet, which is always crazy. But yeah. this week, another bus ride, another part of the Bay Area. You're going to a school that your head coach knows a little about yeah. and you guys know a little about. Um, what are you preparing for this week? What's number one on the, on the board for keys to success at De La Salle? Um, stopping that offense. I think we're, we're going to have a lot of um, guys going both ways this week, including myself. I'm going to be, I'm going to be playing a little bit on the inside on defense. And so I think we're just, if we stop the run, I think we're going to be pretty good. 
I think offense needs to move, move the ball again, and hopefully we'll be able to pass on these guys. So I think that's going to be the game plan. Our co I give a lot of credit to our coaches because before, before Folsom, they were already starting to study De La Salle. So I just they, – they are incredible, and they know what they're doing. So just trust in them and then go do, go do what we're told. We trust in them too. We're big yeah. fans. <laughs> Ryan, you guys didn't get your shot last year. It didn't line up. But does the fact that a team from your very league, St. Francis, uh, was able to beat the Spartans last season factor mm -hmm. into the confidence level you guys will have this week? I, I would imagine it has to be a bit of an internal rallying cry, like if they can do it, we can type thing. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, totally. But I think we're two different. We're two completely different teams, and we there are two different teams now. Um, so it's hard to tell, but I think that plays into it a little bit, but I think we're just, I think we're just ready to play our own game. I don't think we really have anything to show to St. Francis or anybody else. I think we're just going to go out, play Padre football and do what we do against De La Salle. So is there anything to any sort of, and we're going to talk to, uh, the other members of the podcast about this as well. Is there anything to this being, like, do you have to do anything differently because it's on television? Longer, longer timeouts, you know, mm -hmm. more people talking at you in the lead up. Does that add anything to it for you as players? Oh, of course. I mean, it adds pressure. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to look stupid on national television. But um, <laughs> I think it's just the little stuff like we're an Under Armour team and some people got Nike cleats and just figuring out all the equipment and stuff like that. But that's just the little stuff. I mean. The timeouts are going to help for people going both ways. So that's awesome. We play a little bit later too, which is, it's going to, the heat's not going to be as much as a factor. So I think that all plays into it, but yeah, it's national television. We're going to got to go out there and ball out. So we're, we're recording on a Sunday. So mm -hmm. this is like your last, last day at rest, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. what are you, <laughs> what are, what are you kind of expecting for your guys' week of practice? So um, how excited are you going to be out there on Monday? Oh, I'm gonna, we're going to be we're going to be ready to we're going to be ready to go. I think it's going to be a super locked in and focused week. I think the like the energy is going to be high because of, this is a very big game for us, and I think nobody nobody wants to go out losing this game. So our coaches are ready, the players are ready, so just just ready to get back on the field and have another good week of practice. Well, we'll be mentally locked in all week long. Uh, the DVR is already ready. We may be there. It's just going to be a humongous party for us. Yeah. So, um, uh, Ryan, thanks so much for spending a little time with us. For those who might be living under a rock, perhaps, Sarah at De La Salle this Friday. Kickoff set for 8 o'clock. The game is on ESPNU. Ryan, thanks again, and good luck this week to you and the Padres. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for having me. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Getting a player on is always refreshing. Thanks again to Ryan for spending some of his Sunday with us. Now we switch gears and queue up our weekly chat with Coach Terry Edson. His demeanor will be impossible to predict this week. Will he be happy that De La Salle's want to know? Or cheesed because he's now two and four in picks? Either way, it's sure to be entertaining. Let's listen in. Another week of high school football awaits us, but you're joining us after spending... An afternoon watching the finest Major League Baseball team in all the land, Coach Edson, the mighty Oakland Athletics. How is life treating you these days? Well, you know, uh, it's really nice because normally uh, during football season, which this is right now, I can't go anywhere on Sunday. 
except maybe church and pray for a victory for the following week. So I uh, was able to go out with my friends from high school and uh, get together and uh, tailgate and go to the A's game, watch the famous, world famous New York Yankees. And the A's shut them down again. That's only three earned, that's only three runs in two games. So I'm not predicting the A's are going to win the go in the playoffs this year. <laughs> Do they have a, a loser's bracket? <laughs> yeah, they, they don't. And but if the I think the A's and Giants can maybe play each other off or Battle of the Bay, maybe. True. Terry, I'm curious, whenever you visit the Coliseum, does it flood you with any memories or nostalgia of past North Coast section championship games played there? Does part of you wish they still held those games? Well, it's interesting you say that. You know, my first memories, I was growing up as a kid in Castro Valley, a huge Raider fan. So really my first memories, you know, of going to the Coliseum and watching the Raiders play. I mean, I was a huge fan, loved the Raiders. If I wasn't I, I got to go to a few games, but, uh, you know, I watch them every Sunday on TV. And my first real memory there was uh, the great Miami Raiders game, the Sea of Hands game, uh, where Stabler just, you know, threw the prayer to Clarence Davis where he caught it. And Nat Moore took the opening kickoff for a touchdown. And all sorts of wild stuff happened in that game. And that was probably, the, you know, my first great game I, I ever saw at the Coliseum. and. Then, of course, um, you know, all the great games that uh, we played there as well. I, I think what I what really was the thrill, um, because, you know, it, it's great to play in the Coliseum, but, I mean, let's face it, 3,000 people in the old Coliseum. I mean, it's really way more exciting to play in a smaller venue and get like six or 7,000 going. But uh, was really going in the locker room for the first time. I think that was going to Oakland Raider locker room. That was probably the first. I mean, for me, that was the first big thrill. So the as we reconvene for another week of high school football, it is hard to escape the fact that for all three of us, the first full week of picks was a tough one. I, I mean, I personally have come up with every excuse possible. So no worries for me. I'm good. But uh, judging by our texts on Friday night and and aside from your attempts to get me to be your IT guy, did uh, any of the results in our games last week that we picked really surprise you? Well, I, you know, I'm, I, I was on three. Okay, I admit it. But I did say that Salinas was a tough program. I did say people are don't fall asleep on Rancho Katati. And I was correct up on the uh, cramping situation. <laughs> It's their high school. So I feel like I was vindicated a little bit. And I, you know, I did say, I think Sarah is a better football team. I just didn't think for that game that they were going to be a better, but you know, they showed a lot of resilience uh, being in the uh, traveling on the road like that in that heat uh, against a team that's already played a game. Um, that, that was a, a great win by Patrick and the Sarah Padres, no doubt about it. What happened to Las Lomas? I don't know. You're going to have to bring Dougie on again and ask. Because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I can understand them losing, but I didn't, was, did not expect that. Uh, they, they lost their starting yeah. running back after maybe a couple drives. They lost their backup after maybe one or two more drives. So he, he told the truth last week. They have depth issues. They have 29 on the varsity roster. And when they had guys go down, they couldn't fill the holes. So Right. That's. 
got you've got athletes, but if yeah. they go down, there's I, I know that feeling. Yeah. Uh, did anything so, uh, in particular from the games that we picked surprise you last week? Uh, no, no, I really wasn't. Uh, I, I think just the like you said, the score of the last Lomas game surprised me. But um, you know, early in the season, you know, I mean, look at college football. Look how the rankings start in college football and how mm-hmm. they change. You really don't know. And every high school coach in the world will tell you, I just don't know until we play a game to, you know, what kind of team I have. And, and now the coaches have a feel for what they have. And, and I always, this is why I always see, you know, the good programs. Remember last year we were talking about Camp Alindo and how they started out so poorly, but the good programs, they, you know, maybe early on you get them. And then they, they'll figure out how to plug their personnel in. And that's why the good programs, you see the same good programs at the end of the year fighting for uh, championships. So in the, wake of, uh, in the wake of Sarah's big win at Folsom, we now are treated to a, a, an ESPN game this week between number one versus number two as uh, Coach Walsh brings his Padres to your campus. Last year, we spent some time talking about what it was like having to coach against former players. And if I recall correctly, you said that you never derived any pleasure from those wins. And we're just glad when the games ended and both teams were still healthy. But outside of the emotions involved, I'm curious what you remember feeling um, was the most difficult part about preparing to face one of Patrick's teams. It's a good question. Um, I think what uh, what Patrick would brought to you is like, you know, he, he's spreading it out with good athletes so anytime you get athletes out in space and you know Sarah there's no doubt about from when we first started playing them to where they are today they, they've definitely improved in their skill positions and they're you know when I first started playing the quarterback maybe wasn't as, as big as an issue you have to worry about them and since throwing the ball as well but they really he's really progressed with his team and with his offense you know the the thing that bludgeoned uh uh, Folsom, the double tight, double wing. Uh, I, I forget the formation that he, he gives it a call, but um, you know that was a lot of his run game back in the day, and he kind of had to prepare for that. Well, then he started getting uh, better athletes and putting them out there in space, and it's always difficult when you have an athletic quarterback that can run and throw to prepare for that. And the other thing was he. Um, when he went over to Surrey, I mean, he coached with us, so he kind of, he had a good uh, beat on our uh, coverages. So he'd always know, a, know where, like, how to slip in the running back to beat certain coverages and on us and stuff. He did a good job of that. We had, you know, I had to, you know, learn to adjust to what he was doing with that. So, um, you know, there's no doubt about it. You know, they're coming in uh, not only with some good athletes, but, you know, they're confident now. When you go to that state game, I know even though they lost the game, they still, they're now, you're, you're at a time now where Sarah High School is an established program. There, This isn't like Sarah playing De La Salle when we first started playing, trying to establish their program. When we first started playing them, that's what Patrick was trying to do. He was trying to establish his program and make it a top tier in Northern California. Well, now he's accomplished that. So now you're coming in a team that if they get down seven, nothing or 14 to nothing, whereas when we first started playing them, they'd go like, we don't, you know, oh boy, here we go. Then that those days are gone. You know, they're going to fight you to the bitter end. And uh, 
they're not going to panic if they get behind. And uh, this is a team that, you know, expects, expects to come to Del Salle and to win. I mean, and that's, that's a, that's a big change in your program to get a team to actually start thinking that way and believing that way. Um, it takes some time to do it, but he's done is him, Patrick and his staff have done a great job of doing that with their program. I remember last year we talked about an ESPN game uh, and the kind of how it came together and what you have to do beforehand. Um, this year with Sarah coming to play uh, De La Salle on ESPNU, um, I'm curious, does the national television aspect affect players and coaches on a like game basis, in-game basis, I should say, longer timeouts, more timeouts, longer halftimes. It's just kind of a different deal, right? It is a different deal. Now, I'll be, when we we started getting on TV and I was the athletic director and I, I'd look for as many TV games as possible uh, and simply for this one reason, because I was coaching and I was the defense coordinator of special teams, I had a lot of guys going two ways. So I loved TV timeouts because I knew we were in, we we're going to be in good shape. And those extra minutes that you get from the TV timeouts, I would take on every TV game possible just to get those extra timeouts. Cause that's, that turns into like six, what, six to seven timeouts in a game. And that those little breathers we got were really important, especially early in the season. Um, it, towards late in the season when you're ready to go and, you know, I mean, by ready to go, I mean, you're, you're in game shape and, you know, you're good and guys have been playing, they're playing two ways. They've been doing it for a long period of time. They're ready to go. It's not as big of a deal anymore, but early in the season, I always thought those were lifesavers. So I tried getting as many timeouts as possible, but, uh, outside of that, I mean, um, you usually get them you know, after like you, you score and now you're going to kick off. I mean, then you have to wait three minutes to kick up. These guys are ready to run out. It's not like some great strategy. Okay. Now we're going to kick the ball off. <laughs> you're going to go tackle them. I mean, you know, I, mean, <laughs> I needed three minutes to figure something out. So they usually happen after score. So you just, you know, it's just the waiting game. The worst is when the game is about to start all the, everyone's hyped up and all that. And I, you have to, the, the, you learn when you play on TV, like, you watch the guy in the red hat or whatever, whatever they're wearing, because the kids would go right. Go, don't just calm down. That's the person we're watching. As long as they're there, we're not going out there. You see, teams send guys out there, and they'd be waiting out there for five minutes, and the guys would call them over. You know, the team, you know, that's the hardest part at the beginning because you never know. I don't know what's going to be on ESPN U before us. I'm not sure if they have another game. But if you do and it goes long, you got to wait for it to finish. And so, you know, that's that's the hard. I think that's the hardest. Just getting started. Once you're in the game, it's no big deal. And I used to think kids, oh, they're on TV and they're gonna, you know, that's gonna be a it's be a motivating factor. You know, once you once games start, I think everybody that plays the game of football will tell you the same thing. No matter where you're at, high school, college, national championship playoffs, Super Bowl in the NFL, once you're playing and you're in the moment, it, you, uh, you, you lose, it's just, you're, you're playing and that's all you, your focus is on. It's really weird. You really, the, the things that we see as fans and um, 
uh, of the game and all the, you know, the noise and the big music and the band and all the, the, the fun of being at a football game, man, when you're on that sideline, you kick off, you, you're, you become so focused myopic. You don't even notice any of that stuff. Well, uh, that concludes what we've got. Uh, that should wrap up today's Terry talk. Make sure you tune back into Thursday's Pick'em show though, where you may hear the audible version of spontaneous combustion when he's forced to pick the De La Salle Sarah winner. <laughs> Thanks for dropping by as always coach. No problem. See you guys later. All right. I feel like tuning into coach Edson's picks on Thursday might be an opportunity for some serious thunder. How about you? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think Ser- so. Serious cheese, some serious high heat. <laughs> but uh, speaking of, of serious thunder, as we wrap this thing up, please regale the listeners with your 14 minute closing soliloquy. If I must. That should wrap us up for today. We want to once again thank Sarah Lineman, Ryan Silver, for joining us this week, as well as Coach Edson for making his usual stop. We build seven Friday night using Anchor. But the show is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for 7 Friday Night, and please rate and subscribe. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items that we often include. Also. Follow the show on Twitter at, at @sportsstarspods, and you should also be following Sports Stars Magazine at, at @sportsstarsmag. That's where you get all the latest updates on upcoming guests and more. It's also where you can follow us when we're at games on Friday nights. Our cover art features photography and design by yours truly. Our theme music was produced by Dustin Phillips, who performs in multiple bands in the Sacramento area. Now wraps that up. So, Ben. Take us into a week where we have a one versus two and a lot else. I mean, we've we've covered a ton of ground this week, which I think demonstrates how much there is to talk about these days. Uh, I think this week's, you know, we we talked about the big matchup, but I think this week's slate also has some sneaky good games. Uh, I kind of expect it to be a little bit more predictable, a little bit more formful than last week, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. In the words of the legendary East Bay punk band, operation ivy all i know is that i don't know nothing (laughs) and we'll find more about that when we get to thursday's pick so make sure you join us on thursday until then uh we will catch you on the flip side Big game week, big game week, yay!